All right, look, it's future Sam. And I'm just here to tell you really quickly that at some point in this episode, Adam's audio just starts like getting real quiet and fading in and out. Like he's phasing in and out of reality. I don't know why. Um, I tried to fix it. I tried to crank it. I tried to do what I could with it, but it's still pretty quiet and you can't understand certain things. You just got to listen real carefully. I don't know, man. To record, um, I'm going to um, tie him to a chair and then proceed to beat him relentlessly like usual. So hopefully the beast morale and uh, productivity, um, general competence across the board. So anyway, here's this. Enjoy. Bye. Love you. Bye. Whatever. Ah! Bad time to take a drink. Mm-hmm. Can I tell you this? I just I realized something. Yeah. This is the um, the last episode uh, that we're going to record before I get married. Yes, you will be a married man. I will come back the next episode. You hear? I will be a married man. Ho, 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 ho. I feel different now. No. <laughs> You're taking on life from a new perspective. Oh, fuck. We talked about that last week. No. Bringing it back. We're going to do the whole episode again. Oh, God. We, we didn't read YouTube comments on the last one, so we, <laughs> we got to run right back. now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's weird. It's just I, like not like not weird in a bad way, honestly. It's just like it's it's wild that it crept up so, so quickly. Yeah. How do you feel about it? Feel good. I feel ready. It's just, it's just exciting. I um, it's actually really fun. So I'm looking at it right now, but I have this. I got this box, and so one of our colors is is you know, it's it's a very low key. It's not like a traditional like whatever, but like we have like some colors that we kind of like that we're theming a little bit, and so green is one of them. And so I have this like double holding box that I got that is is a nice little green color. It has both of our rings in it. Um, sure. It's just cool. I'm just like, I just sit sitting on my desk. I'm just looking at it. It's very cool. I haven't been opening. I'm just like staring at the boxes. I know they're in there. It's pretty cool. Uh, what's in the box? Rings. Damn it. Don't you read? Okay. So I, I noticed that we record this at 4,800, you know, 48,000 Hertz. Is that the speed yeah. of sound? Yeah yeah. 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 The speed of sound. Yeah. Okay. You can get 60 sounds per second. <laughs> I'm excited for you, man. I'm fucking happy. You be- oh, I thought that was going to turn into something. I'm sorry. I was just like, yeah, I'm, well, yeah tell me about it. What do you got? <laughs> no, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I'm like super stoked. It's going to be very cool. But um, you're going to tech. You're going to be there in digital spirit. Yeah. Uh, sadly, Carrie will be driving, but I will post in the room and watch you guys get married. Don't be embarrassing because my grandma's going to be in there. I will probably just not say anything for the sake of everybody. That's probably a smart idea. Yeah. <laughs> That's the smartest idea you've ever had. <laughs> hey, Sam, good job. Imagine having to stop the ceremony and be like, could uh, anybody on Zoom please mute your microphones? <laughs> Does anybody have anything actually, to say about this marriage? I do. I'm actually, what I'm probably going to do is I'm, it's gonna, I'm just going to be streaming it from my phone and I've got somebody there that's going to be there that's like controlling the, the tripod for it. So I'm probably just going to turn the volume on my phone all the way down. So it'll, it'll pick up the sound, but like you couldn't hear anything anyway, just in case. Oh, you mean your tripod and Metroid Prime? Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I did get a copy of. I found a copy in the wild of that game finally. So that's pretty cool. 
Metroid Prime remake, remake, remade or remastered, whatever the fuck it's called. But it's pretty good. We already talked about it a while back. Yeah, we don't need to talk about it again. I just wanted to express like all the all the new important because obviously like wedding, pretty important. Metroid yes. Prime remastered like one notch below that. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's a yeah. quarter it's step down. <laughs> it could fluctuate depending on the day. Yeah. <laughs> it's positioning. <laughs> Can't fucking wait. Watch the show. We'll get to like season, you know, the last season. Be like, I'm fucking married now. I don't want to do this shit. <laughs> I have a new life. Of course, by the time this episode comes out, I will have already been married. We'll have for been married a while. Yeah, um, let's just fuck the dates on that one. Yeah, you know your special date. We're not going to worry about the ones after that. Yeah, I was just like I was going to like give us like it, it's, it'll be an expression. It, it's a an expression of weeks at this point. That's all I'll say. Um, but yeah, it's very, it's very cool. So. Sam and Adam and Sam and his and their wives at the disco. Yeah, or we'll both, be, we'll both be. I don't want. No, that's bad because that's been bad for those guys. I was say we're we're both about to be wife guys. It's like nope, wife guys are the ones that are getting in trouble for being in, infidelicious. That's not that's not a word. That's Fergal- not a word. I think you're looking for fergalicious. Fergalicious, yes. Which thou like to live deliciously. Would right. that? Wouldst thou like to live Fergalicious? Hello, friends. Thank you for joining me today. Joining me, joining us today on Adam and Sam at the Disco. It is a podcast about a surprise panic at the disco. Come on in, have a seat, spin around, sit down, stand up, touch your butt. Make sure you have your, you just check your pockets for your wallet, got your keys, got your phone, got your pockets. Okay, you're good to go. Don't forget to close the goddamn door. I'm Sam. Do you have lockets in those pockets? <laughs> Do you have? I am Adam. <laughs> oh man, and it is time. It is time for another overview episode. Um, we're talking about vices and virtues, baby. It's the third studio album by American pop rock band Panic at the Disco. The exclamation mark is back. Excuse me, I think you mean synth pop band. Yes, I'm sorry, synth pop man. I was just reading that first line of the Wikipedia page. Um, so before we re- before we dive into it, I think this is actually a pretty like funny, weird coincidence. So, Vices and Virtues, Vices Ampersand Virtues came out on March 22nd, 2011, the exact same day as Vices and the word and Virtues came out um, by the uh, the rock band Art of Dying. So two albums by two different bands called Vices and Virtues came out on March 22nd, 2011, which I think is very interesting. And how fucking odd. Yeah, that's pretty fucking odd. Dude. Pretty fucking odd. They um, are a hard rock post grunge alternative metal band. All right. From Canada. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, so again, we wanted to kind of talk about like we, we talked about the controversy and the drama and the breakup and stuff um on its own little episode 
Um, yeah, it's interesting so this, to say that this that the overview is not the first episode of the season. Yeah, it's very it's it's interesting, but it needed to be done because uh, new pers- because again, it's like it's weird because like new perspective isn't really like pretty odd because no. it is does not involve Ryan and John, but it's not really vices and virtues either. We talked about it last episode where it's just like it doesn't really fit into a vibe. It's not like a natural progression off of anything they've done it's not really a natural progression into anything they did following it's just kind of like a song that's there um so it's kind of we were kind of like having some trouble figuring out where to place it so it was just like fuck it it's the first episode of season one we don't care um it just we do fits. but we don't it's where it's it's where it's gotta be yeah. it's where it's gotta be um uh So, here's what happened. <laughs> Sorry, I just need to gather my thoughts. Here's what here's what had happened. Vices and Virtues was something they started writing in the summer of 2009. Um, they recorded a couple songs. So they recorded New Perspective and Oh Glory, which is a demo. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the track list and the demos and all the stuff later. Right. Um, they recorded those songs with John Feldman um, and um, Spencer said that the songs are just Brendan and I having fun because that's what we want to do. Um, and then Spencer also said that they were working on an album now that hopefully takes the best parts from both of our records because we love them both and are really proud of them. Um, that, and this is a fucking sentence and a half. While they were on the Blink-182 reunion tour, the the first one, not the one that's happening right now, um, Spencer showed Mark Hoppus demos from the album hoping that he would produce a song um or two. and then hop and or two and then mark confirmed in august that he was going to produce one really strong track on the record as well as possible others if allowed um and then uh brendan told the press that uh they had 10 songs ready to consider for the band's third album um and apparently uh, there was a song in the beginning stages of the uh, the writing and recording that had a feature from Rivers Cuomo, yeah, um, who was apparently super nice, according to Brendan. But the song does not exist anywhere, from what I can tell. Um, they were too busy in Beverly Hills. Yeah, that's where they wanted to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they they wanted to record the album in fall. 2009 and release it at the beginning of 2010 however they didn't start recording the album until april 2010 um but yeah so that's very strange they got back with rob they were just like he who he is like family to them according to brandon yeah. spencer um and uh he encouraged them to love the work they do and just get out of bed in the morning don't loathe the thing loathe the things you actually love doing because it's going to keep you down for which Yuri recalled the band owed a lot. Um, so gotta get Rob they, Mathis on here. Yeah, we gotta get Rob Mathis on there. Um, on here, like on our podcast. Oh yeah, gotta. Okay, so we got we got we gotta get James. We gotta get Rob. We got a lot of people to get. Every we should do like everybody except for Brendan. Yes, needs to be on this podcast. Hey, Ryan, fucking John Brent Wilson Spencer. from from prison. Brett, well, I will do a, a from prison live live uh, podcast from prison. Um, gotta get Dallin on here. <laughs> get uh, down on it. 
That's not what I said. I said Dallin. Oh, Dallin, <laughs> Dallin like, Weiss, Dal- dude. Yeah, Dallin oh, Weiss. Dallin uh, Weiss. God. Yeah. Um, the introduction of. Um, so they started working on the demos and were just like, no, nah, we don't like this. So they had just completely started over. Um, but uh, now it was just uh, Brendan and Spencer writing everything. Um, Feldman produced along with Butch Walker. Um, Butch. Butch. And Brendan was, uh, Brendan recalled that they were initially nervous to experiment with new producers, but instead regarded Feldman and Walker's input positively regarding their help as, hey, this is your record. I want to help you with your ideas. So bring me the ideas and we'll help you do that. I don't want to write anything for you. This is your record. It has to be your voice. Um, should have said it. Should they, it has to be your vice. Just to- Your vice. Uh, it has to be your vice or your virtue. I could be your angle or your devil. Um, <laughs> they continue where have you never seen that meme before no oh man oh man oh man I'll put a link to it. I- <laughs> hold on let me find it it is a uh, cl- is a couple pictures of ego raptor Aaron Hansen um, just with this ridiculous caption <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Could be your angle or your devil. <laughs> You're spelled wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I could be your vices or your virtue. <laughs> <coughs> wow. Um, yeah, so they worked with uh, Feldman for four months in 2010 and then moved over to Butch Walker to kind of finalize and, and polish the songs. Um May 7th of 2010, um, they posted a batch of photos during their recording sessions. Um, they completed all the bass and guitars for... They wanted to make another Mad as Rabbits video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they completed all the guitars and bass in early July, and by the end of July, um, recording was done and mixing was going to follow. Uh, and then near the end of the writing process, the band looked back upon the lyrics and noticed that quote, some of the motion was pining for something or some of it was vanity or some of it touched on subversion or overthrowing somebody or manipulation. Yuri likened it to the seven deadly sins and after research settled on the title vices and virtues. He says in the biblical sense, there's all that stuff. And then there's just morals (laughs) that we live by every day in human behavior. I guess this record was really a study in human behavior, mostly for us personally, what we had been going through and noticing all of that. And then Brendan Urey really did a motion with his hand, like drew a circle with his fingers extended and said, you know, in the biblical sense, all that stuff. (laughs) I don't associate there anymore, all that stuff. Still shedding that religious skin. Still shedding it after all this time. Uh, You want to talk about the music, Adam? Let's talk about the fucking music. Musically, Vice's Virtues has been described as pop, <laughs> rock, pop, punk. Are you, are you dying over there? Sorry. Sorry. I, I said you, the way you said musically. Musically. Like, <laughs> I was taking a drink of water and it just <laughs> caught me the wrong way. Which, by the way, musically is actually what TikTok used to be called. Yes. And then they got in trouble for underage shit and then they rebranded as TikTok. And that's why TikTok is the way it is. That's why we have fucking politics on TikTok. Fun facts. Anyway, yeah. continue. Alternative rock, emo pop, baroque pop. It's back. Synth pop, it's back. 
Pop Arena Rock. That one's back. Ooh. Oh, no, that one's more like forward that's, throwing. That's forward throwing, yeah. That's and new that's wave. Reach into the future. Baroque Pop is back, though, in full force for this album. I will I will admit. It is very much back. It's back, baby. Yes. Because I'll, the... say, I'll say this now. We talked about this. I mentioned this last episode, but it's worth repeating in the episode that's actually about reviewing or not reviewing, but like overviewing Vices and Virtues. Vices and Virtues feels like, I don't feel a lot, because they said it was like best of both worlds from Pretty Odd and um, uh, um, and Fever. Sorry, Jesus Christ. Um, I feel like it is more of a maturation of what Fever was. Like it's more, like it's more of an evolution of Fever. I will yeah. say, um, like always in like, the last, like the back half of the album is, I feel a little bit more pretty odd inspired, especially nearly witches, which, which we know is, um, meant to be on cricket and clover. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so interesting. Um, a little bit, but yeah, that back half is a little bit more pretty odd than, than the first half. But I will say that I think it's way more like an evolution of what fever w- would become if it was the next album. Yeah. We did kind of posit that idea near the end of pretty odd of what would, what would panic look like without pretty odd? And I, I guess this is really it as you're losing half the creative talent. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's actually weird, right? Because now I'm thinking I'm going against what I literally just said, because I think it's like, I don't know. It it does. I do see some DNA of pretty odd in there. I think it's more fever than it is pretty odd, but I do see pretty odd in it. So yeah, always is just always is part two of Northern. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Which I'm down for the sequel. Yeah, I love always. always. A fun fact: it is the it is also a wedding song. It is the one that my wife my wife walked down the aisle to. So, I did not lie in the beginning. It was a very panicky wedding, in in every (laughs) sense. (laughs) There's a lot of panic involved in that disco. Um. So yeah, the album features a variety of different musical styles in its tracks. As a testament to the amount of time of production, each song sounds different from the next, according to Brendan Boyd Yuri. He's not wrong. I will say that. He, no, yeah. They do. Each of the songs do have like kind of a different flavor from each other, which is pretty cool. Yeah, not not as jarring as some of Pretty Odd have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not they a fit. big tone shift. No, they, they have a different flavor, but I think they do still fit together as like a, a, a concept, which is cool. Yeah. So, well, in the beginning, in the beginning, in the band the had no direction for music or lyrics. That's because half of them fucking left. And then after returning to the studio and restarting production, the band became excited to start with a second chance. We've been working on music for about a year and a half. So I think that partly adds to why some of the songs have some varying styles. Just a, a song a month. Imagine that. Part of it was us at the beginning trying to figure out what we wanted to do. We had we had a new opportunity with just the two of us. And as we sort of got a better hold on what that was, that mm-hmm. whole thing just kind of went from there. They picked best songs out of 30. Out of yeah. fucking 30. Yeah, which is wild. Because let, let's, so what we got, um, we have 10 songs on the album itself. Yeah. And then we've got one, two, three, six, five, six bonus tracks. So we got so we got to hear a list very slightly more than half of the songs they wrote for this album. 
which is wild. I wonder, do you think if he um, reused any of those other 14 for future stuff? Anything in the or future? Or re- reworked? Oof. That's tough. Let's do a quick exercise in two here. Just hop, skip, and jump over two. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know what it would be like Miss Jackson almost. Miss Jackson and nicotine maybe maybe nicotine could be too i think those are I, yeah i just don't know it's wild to think about because yeah because yeah, that even with... had bonus tracks so yeah that'll be interesting once we get into that but mm-hmm. yeah there's not very many same as it's hard to really tell how the hell nearly witches came into this yeah it's very strange which yeah which again like because it was reworked from what they were doing for pretty odd, but it's like, but again, it doesn't, I feel like nearly witches fits with pr- vices and virtues. If I would have heard nearly witches on pretty odd, I would have been so taken out of it because it doesn't make sense to me. Like I don't nearly witches doesn't make sense on pretty odd, at all. pretty odd to me, no. but it makes sense here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. If you said always, and it's sometimes hard to forget that always is on this and not pretty odd. Yeah, absolutely. Just because it fits that style much more. So, Brendan Yuri said, you get all the work done, record the song, arrange it, and then you can add the fun little stuff, little pieces of voices and talking and weird instruments you hadn't used before, which at this point, you've got to be very fucking experimental. Yeah. <laughs> they have you, already yeah. used a wide gamut. Oh, he's the word gamut there. You Motherfuckers know. just banging against tin cans. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Musical experimentation stretched as far as employing an iPad to record synthesizers on the record. What a novel concept. Yeah, who does that? iPad. And so weird. iPad. All things. In 2009, iPads would have yeah. cost as much as a fucking band. <laughs> band got to work with French band The Plasticines and a children's choir on the track Nearly Witches, parentheses, ever since we met. Great, great track. Got it. Uh, I'm done. No. <laughs> a majority of the band's yeah, previous... Say, probably, no, I'm done fucking reading now. <laughs> a majority of the band's previous material was written by former guitarist Ryan Ross, George Ryan Ross III, Amadeus' son. What? God, we're going to have to come up with new names as we get new band members. Yeah. It's gonna, yeah. It sounds exhausting already. For Vices and Virtue, Brendan said... Or Brendan had to step up and take the reins lyrically, which, if we recall how I felt about some of those songs last time, doesn't go well. (laughs) Thankfully, he got a little bit fucking better. A little bit, yeah. Uh, The biggest inspiration for lyricism was keeping busy and going out instead of locking themselves in a fucking cabin and getting high all the time. Fucking beatniks. Motherfuckers, just motherfuckers out there doing <laughs> oh man is that it nope there's, a, there's a lot here but you know keep going keep going buddy said the lyrics are very honest they're very honest and straightforward as well as very fantastical with elements of storytelling so that one we could see through lines through part of pretty odd I don't where were the through lines through fever like there, you know, there felt like there was a narrative arc, and I'm not, I don't recall much of a narrative arc through this. 
No, they're a little bit more. And I think maybe intentionally it feels a little bit more disparate where it's like, there's not really a through line of like story being told in here. Right. I can- like each one is its own like mini story. It's like, it's like, it's like, the other albums so far are a season of American Horror Story. This is like a season of like the American Horror Story, like Chronicles, where each episode is a different thing with like right. <laughs> American Horror Stories. Stories. That's what it's called. It's American Horror Stories. Yeah. Each one is its own little contained story as opposed to being like an overarching thing. Yeah. I can, I can see like an emotional theme throughout. Yeah. I can, I can find one, but yeah. As for saying that there's elements of storytelling, maybe theming would have been better describe it as yeah uh, they were so self-conscious about everything hyper aware of what they were doing that when they're writing i go i go i, go, I say adam personally <laughs> okay i don't want this to be barry manilow's mandy it should have been nicholas cage's mandy because that's a really good movie. but i want it to be as romantic and cute <laughs> <laughs> so brendan said that that's yeah it was actually Nicolas Cage. He said, "You should watch my right, movie, right. Mandy." You should watch. You should watch my movie, Mandy. I have to go steal the declaration. You should watch Color Out of Space. It's a great adaptation. <laughs> it really is. It's a very. It's a. Very, I have it on 4K. Twelve dollar 4K find. Pretty good. That's a great horrific movie. Yeah. God, body horror. Body horror for days. It was Tommy Chong. I wanted to say Cheech. Nope, it's Tommy Chong. <laughs> So they had to, you know, fight themselves. Ended up being great. Mm-hmm. Figured out, write about it. <laughs> Lyrics also reflect the confusion after the departure of Ross and Walker. But after that, it's felt all experimental. Really loved the uh, Paul Simon sounds of it. Marimba is a string instrument. Yeah. <laughs> Ended up buying some synths, some more iPads, bought more fucking iPads for days. Uh, contacted Skrillex. <laughs> it doesn't say that. Fellow, fellow iPad player. Quit editorializing. <laughs> <laughs> Ended up buying some synths and messing around with them. It was two kids in a candy store. And we listened to Arcade Fire's The Suburbs on repeat for me for, me for the past, well, since it came out. He laughs in brackets. <laughs> the Ballad of Mona Lisa has been described by the alternative press. The alternative press is just everywhere. But they're not the normal press, so why are they everywhere? They're alternative. AP, baby. AP, baby. You can cite them on all of your papers. Do it. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> it's having the upbeat pop energy of a fever you can't sweat out with the focus and the clarity of pretty odd. How do you feel about that? I I like it. Yeah, I I think that might be what I'm thinking, what I'm hearing and thinking, because again, it does have the fever energy. But yeah, I think Pretty Odd was very was a lot more focused and more mature than Fever was, and I think this maintains that focus and maturity while also feeling like it sounds more like Fever. You know what? There aren't any of on this album though. Hmm. Nautical songs. There. Mm, hold on. Hurricane. Fuck me. Well, you can have a hurricane <laughs> while you're standing on the beach in Florida, but that's fair. <laughs> Something very specific to the fucking oh. water. It's not like it was named fucking tornado. Jesus. <laughs> I have a floaty on my monitor. Uno momento. 
<laughs> oh man. Yeah. Finish this so we can talk about promotion. All right. We missed a couple okay. of things from our first record in terms of sonically. That's, I don't sonically. It's Son- sonically pleasing. <laughs> With these sonically speed. Sonic. Gotta go fast. Gotta go fast. Gotta have my chili dogs. There are a lot of organic instruments, like organic instruments. We're just clapping. I don't, I, yeah, I don't like Beating that. our chest with our fists. Not a lot of electronics or synthesizers. Well, why do we buy all the synthesizers? No, he's yeah, saying that he's pretty He's talking about pretty odd. Electronics and synthesizers, so they wanted to go back to that, which they had a lot of electronics and synthesizers on Fever. I kind of jumped in midstream after we derailed with Sonically and kind of forgot where I led into uh, Smith agreed and stated, I think there's stuff from the first album that we kind of got away from on the second record that people who were fans of first one of uh, uh, fans of first one will fans enjoy. First one. <laughs> bah, 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 bah. Ooh, say friends and fans enjoy ooga, the calendar. Ooga. Ooga, <laughs> the calendar originally written about an intimate relationship between a male and a female soon began to resemble the Friendships and former members Ross and Walker. Just keeping those wounds open. The song was. To... Go ahead, finish reading. The oh, the song was finished as a direct response to their departure from the group. It's a breakup song. I need, I need to pull that. I need to pull this down from the sky really quick because this has no citation. This has no link. This is no quote attached to it. Is this a fucking riding shipper in Wikipedia? Yes, going all fucking crazy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not using this as inspiration for when we talk about the calendar. No. Because that's that's potentially bullshit. You need to cite your fucking sources. This like is, the next one where they talk about Sarah Smiles. There's a quote. Fucking calendar. Fucking write-in shippers talking about calendar and Wikipedia. That is unverified information. Unverified. Otherwise, until otherwise verified. This is Fuck some off. genius annotation level of bullshit. <laughs> it's Bush League. Bush League. Finish reading. Yep, yep, yep. Sarah Smiles was written for Yuri's wife and mother of his child. Yeah. Sarah Smiles is about my girlfriend. My girlfriend. My girlfriend. It doesn't work as well. It doesn't, doesn't work. Know. As sappy as that is. When I met her, I wrote this song to try and impress her. I was infatuated with her. I played it for her, and she was like, what the fuck is this? And we've been <laughs> dating ever since. Wow. That was a huge step for me, personally. You mixed... You mean a mixtape for her? <laughs> yeah, he did. Made his own oh, mixtape. What a pretentious shit. He the boombox outside the window <laughs> and said, here we go. Fucking slap the bass. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nearly Witches was rejected for inclusion on Pretty Odd due to it not fitting within the concept of the album. Yuri and Smith finished the songs for Vices and Virtues. The way you said that was very snooty, but it's a correct statement. It did not fit within the concept of the album. It would have been not out of fit. place as fuck. It did not it did not fit in pretty odd. Pretty odd, better and vices and virtues. Um, the album's title, we're talking about promotion now. The album's title and other early information was announced in AP, Alternative Press again, and it's December 2010 issue and set March 2011 for a release um, with the, quote, first single tentatively titled Mona Lisa due out in January 2011. The band did a promotional Vices and Virtues photo shoot with designer Anthony Franco on January 8th, 2011. And on January 18th, the band revealed, the band revealed via a post on their website that the record will be released March 29th, 2011. Mm. On January 25th, the cover art was revealed. 
uh, behind the scenes video of the photo shoot revealed that Dallin Weeks, Get Down On It, a touring only member at the time, <laughs> featured on the album. If that's Dallin's nickname is Get Down On It. From Get Down On It. We found the first one already. Yeah, we found it. We did it. Um, a touring only member at the time featured on the album cover, masked and standing in the background behind Smith. And- oh, whoa, really? Oh, that is that's Dallin on the cover. Nice. Interesting. I didn't know that. Um, so yeah, so that guy in the weird mask on the cover of Vices and Virtues is Dallin is get down on it there. Wow. Um, he got down on it. Fe- <laughs> got down on it. On February 15th, 2011, responding to eager public demand, the release date for Vices and Virtues was moved up to March 22nd by the band, which would put them in direct conflict with Art of Dying. <laughs> Which, by the way, apparently, as of I just want to before we talk about like, like charting and sales and stuff for Vices and Virtues, I believe, the according to the Wikipedia page, as of September 2014, The Art of Dying, Vices and Virtues had sold over 50,000 copies. So, um, those metal Canadian bitches. Yeah, they peaked at number one on the Billboard Heat Seekers album. By the way, Art of Dying did. It was their first big studio release. I don't know if you knew that. Wow, good for those guys. Yeah. Um, what am I missing here? Where am I? Where am I? I'm lost. Uh, okay, here we go. The first single, The Ballad of Mona Lisa, was released on February 1st, 2011. The music video was released February 8th and entered heavy rotation across MTV networks and received positive reviews, many noting the similarity in sound to a fever you can't slow out. The deluxe edition of the album includes the demo Oh Glory. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna skip this part because we'll talk about this a little bit a little bit later. Um, um, like Pretty Odd, Vices and Virtues received heavy popularity through online music stores. By February 2011, the record was already up to the top five overall in the top albums chart. Promotion for Vices and Virtues included an appearance on Conan a week after the record's release on March 28th, and Lopez Tonight a week after that on April 4th. Wow, really. Hitting the big time with Lopez tonight. Yeah, they are. <laughs> good thing they missed the. Uh, no shit, they wouldn't have missed it. The writing guild, the writers guild strike at that point. Yeah, that was the writers guild strike was 08 or 07 at that yeah, time. Nope, yeah, it so, yeah, it would have been way past. Um, good luck to the writers this time around, though. They're in the middle. Yep. They just started their as we're recording this. They just started their their new strike, which you know, hopefully. No AI writers. Stop it. Chat GPT will not write your episodes for you. (laughs) Yeah. So I hope for the best for the the writers on strike right now. And I hope that they get what they need and come back and write cool shit and get paid for it. So, um, last time it killed lost. Yeah. Last time it killed lost. Lost. All the stuff that I don't want to get killed is already like either over or probably affected by it. So I'm okay. (laughs) Yeah. We're all right on this one. We're all right on this front. Um, in promotion of the record, Smith and Yuri filmed a short film to accompany the album titled The Overture. Oh, I wonder if I could find that online. Um, directed by Shane Drake. Ooh, Shane Drake directed. Oh, wow. The film was released on March 9th, 2011 and contains several musical snippets from the record. The nearly seven-minute mini film features Yuri and Smith with a score of actors ranging from identical twins to a little people couple. Okay. The film is filmed with symbolism regarding the departure of Ross and Walker and the process of moving on without them and that actually has a a annotation that links to a billboard article that talks about the same thing so that's okay um did you find it 
Because, oh, I know what this is now. I know what I mean. This is where they're like walking through the town and like there's yeah. little, yeah, okay. I know what this is. Fucking I'll, I'll put it in the show notes, shit. but I I really like the overture, actually. Um, it's just them like walking through a town talking about how they got to go and all the people from the town are following them. And it, they got to go. Yeah, we got to go. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's a good little video, so I'll, I'll link that. Um, Oh yeah, because that's right. Because there was like this weird thing at the end where it's just like those two, three, those two like ghost specters are at the end with them, and then they disappear, and then they walk off into the sunset with like them, the two of them, or something like that. Is symbolism symbolism when it's so fucking obvious? <laughs> when it, how heavy can symbolism be before it just becomes <laughs> ham-fisted? I yeah. Don't know. Um, in March 2011, the band began streaming the album in its entirety with the exception of bonus tracks from the official Panic of the Disco Facebook page, along with an accompanying introductory video from Brendan Urie and Spencer Smith. Um, yeah. Oh, interesting. So it's considered to be released on uh, March 22nd, but in the United States, Brazil, and Canada, it was released on March 18th. Um Interesting. As well as multiple other dates for other countries, the record debuted in... Okay, we'll talk about this in a second. So, before we talk about critical reception, um, let's talk about the tracks. Let's talk about the personnel. Let's talk about the charts and certification. There's a lot of them. Um, and kind of go from there. Yeah. How's that, how's that sound? Yeah, it feels, about feels very season one of us. Yeah, it feels very season one of us. We're doing whatever we want to. Um... We're out here so, just bumble fucking around on this podcast. Bumble fucking around. Bumble fucking around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, just the base album, 10 tracks. The album is 38 minutes and two seconds long. It is the fourth shortest, if you want to read it like that. It is longer than Two Where to Live, Two Where to Die, Death of a Bachelor, and uh, Pray for the Wicked. Um and the other albums are longer than it, obviously. I think I don't know if we talked about this. We might have, but we I'm did because sure. because I fucked it all up during Pretty Odd. I think yeah, because Pretty Odd is still remains the longest yeah. album they've released. It's like one minute or like like five minutes longer than Viva Las Vegas was the second longest. So that's pretty interesting. Um, do you want to alternate the track listing? Alternate that track shit. So we've got first track, the Ballad of Mona Lisa. Second track, Let's Kill Tonight. Third track is Hurricane. Hurricane. Number four is Memoiris. <laughs> Number five is Trade Mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's been a while since we've had a good Sakis. Takis <laughs> for snackies. Takis for snackies. Oh. All right, number six. Red mm. eye to go. That one doesn't work as well. No, it does not. Get out of me mind. <laughs> <laughs> <That's not laughs> Holy shit, dude. Okay. Track uh, <laughs> seven is always. I can't do this anymore. Eight is the calendar. Nine is Sarah Smiles. Number 10 is Nearly Witches Ever Since We Met. Okay. Uh, okay. <laughs> then we've got the bonus track. We've got the bonus tracks, we should say. We've got Kaleidoscope Eyes. 
Um, I'll just yeah. read them all off because yeah, that's this gets kind of weird. Yeah, so Deluxe we've got Kaleidoscope. Yeah, so this is so weird. So they've got four different like bonuses. So the Stockhound bonus track, I don't know what Stockhound is. I think it's a storefront. Only has Kaleidoscope Eyes. So I'll read all of the songs. So we've got Kaleidoscope Eyes, Stall Me, The Oh Glory Demo, I Want to Be Free, Turn Off the Lights, and Bittersweet. So the Stockhound bonus track has only Kaleidoscope Eyes. The Deluxe Edition has Stall Me, Oh Glory, I Want to Be Free, and Turn Off the Lights. The Japanese bonus tracks has everything except for Bittersweet. And then the iTunes pre-order bonus track is just bittersweet. It's uh, so weird how they did that. Mr. Yuri-san. Mr. Yuri-san. Um, but yeah, if you include, if you include the, 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 all the bonus tracks, it then suddenly becomes the, the longest album. At, so we've yeah, got by 50. Large so Martian. By a large, large, not kind of like live and compilation albums, obviously, but like if you include the six bonus tracks, um, let me see. You do some so it becomes an hour and no, yeah, an hour, one minute, and 52 seconds long is what it becomes if it you include all six of the bonus tracks. So that's a very long album, pretty cool though. But it's like the fourth shortest without the bonus tracks. So who can say? Um, yeah, so that's that. Um, the song Ready to Go, Get Me Mind, Dot Me Mind. <laughs> according to adam um was used oh i didn't know this was used as the end credit song in the 2011 film the smurfs yeah i have never um, seen the smurfs movie i have not either from jennifer's body to the smurfs what a transition um it also <laughs> featured in three diet coke commercials in 2011 a commercial for sky tv in the uk a commercial promoting universal studios and commercials for the 20th season of the amazing race it has been used in the block in australia which is apparently a Reality television series in Australia. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're going places these days. They're going places. Um, shall we talk about personnel? Let's personnel it up. Yeah. So, we've got a lot of stuff. Brendan's doing a lot of stuff, and I think it's fucking hilarious. Brendan Yuri is doing lead vocals and back- backing vocals. Okay. Yeah, which is very much you know his bag now, especially, too. Yeah, he just does everything. He also does lead and rhythm guitar, bass, piano, keyboards, synthesizers, and programming. He's really stepped up his his repertoire in Ryan's absence here. Yeah, he's no fucking Brent Wilson this season. No Brent Wilson. Meanwhile, Spencer Smith, drums, percussion, as usual. Love you, buddy. <laughs> um, really pulling it in. Yeah. Mike Bolger was here for trumpet and accordion. As we talked about, the Plasticines did some vocals on some stuff, and the West Los Angeles Children's Choir did vocals on uh, Nearly Witches. Yeah. Want to read some production? You can read that. There's a lot of fun names in here, so I'm going to let you know. A lot of fun names. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Butch Walker, production, engineering, guitar, programming, backing, vocals. <laughs> there was not a combo between backing and vocals. I was just very because it's, because it's Because it's backing vocals. There was a live... Well, yeah, but there was like a line break and it really <laughs> fucked with my cadence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just want to let you know if you get tired, you can tag it. But because there's a lot oh, of words here, I know how you get. So yeah, sometimes I get a little anxious about words. John yeah. Feldman, engineering, production, programming, composer, Claudius Mittendorfer. There he is. There's our guy. Mittendorfer, <laughs> Dorfer, Mitten. <laughs> 
We got Rich Costi, Rich Costi, uh, yeah. mixing. Claudius Mietendorfer also did mixing. You didn't say, but yeah. well, it was just more fun to say his name. No, I, I get it. Pete Lyman, mastering. Yeah. Matt Appleton, applesauce bitch. Engineering. <laughs> I want to see what you do with this one. I'm very, I'm very excited. <laughs> Fred Arkhambolt. That's not. That's probably not how you say it. Archim, <laughs> Archimbalt. It's probably it's probably Archim Archimbol, like French. Arch my balls. Oh my god! Engineering. Uh, Brandon Paddock on engineering. Eric Ron on engineering. Jake Sinclair on engineering. Mm-hmm. Oh wow, it's my favorite language. It's my favorite fucking language. Oh. Joe Napoli. <laughs> it's Napolitano. Not it's, not it's not a hard one. It's Napolitano. It's not hard. Napolitano. <laughs> god, really half in there. I second guessed it after the first three letters. You almost had it right, and then you were just like, no, I'm going to go dive fully off a cliff. Yeah, we've got to go off the high dive. Jonathan Allen, so Joe, our buddy Joe there was editing. (laughs) Jonathan Allen, string engineering. Colette Baba, studio manager. Our friend Rob Mathis, he's going to be on the show sometime. Uh, Conductor and string arrangements. Ryan Ranny, package production. (laughs) Why? About said Anthony. Anthony Franco, stylist, hopefully not related to the uh, problematic one. <laughs> Anthony Swagtano here. <laughs> <coughs> Jennifer Tsar, mm-hmm. photography. And mm-hmm. Dallin Weeks, artwork inception, which is really weird in cover art. Doesn't get yeah. anything musically. Nope. Or TikTok, dare I say. He's a, he's a touring guy. Um, yeah, our friend Get Down On It, artwork inception cover. Get down on it, yeah. um, we've got the weekly charts. The Australian albums Aria charts peaked at six. Uh, the O3 Austria Austrian albums peaked at 51. Um, the Ultra Top Flanders is back. Uh, Belgian album 71 it peaked at. The Canadian Billboard peaked at 17. Uh, Dutch album Top 100 peaked at 76. The Offseel Top 100 of Germany peaked at 64. The Irma, the Irma. Irma Irish albums peaked at 34. The New Zealand albums RMNZ peaked at 21. Scottish albums, the OCC, yeah, you know, OCC. Me, peaked at 33. You get the real fun one. You get the real yeah, you, fun one. If you take, I'm going to be fucking pissed if you take this with me. The Schweizer Hit Parade. <laughs> the Switzerland, the Switzerland uh, charts peaked at 90. UK albums, the OCC for them peaked at 29. The UK, the UK rock and metal albums peaked at two. The OCC. The yeah, you know me. Billboard 200, <laughs> it peaked at number seven. The U.S. Top Alternative, it peaked at two. Um, U.S. Digital Albums, it peaked at five. U.S. Top Rock, peaked at two. And U.S. Top Tastemaker, peaked at 17. Um, peaked at at 17 the year end. It's like they're fucking Matthew McConaughey's character from fucking... Oh, no. There it goes. There goes the culture. Just don't, re- just don't reference movies ever. Do you, oh, do you mean my favorite movie, Serendipity, featuring John starring and fucking Sandra ass. Bullock? Cassandra Bullock is what you told me, and it's yeah. Kate Beckinsale, you fucking moron. Yeah, I remember. Oh, uh, yeah, that it was, was only tw- like last night, I think. Yeah, that was a private message we had between each other. It was not a public thing, but now I'm making Very a public message. Um, the 2011 year-end charts for U.S. top rock albums. It was at 56. Um, for certifications, the BPI of the United Kingdom it, uh, sold 60,000 copies and got a silver certification in the in the UK. 
in the United States, the RIAA, fuck the RIAA, uh, certified gold for 500,000 copies. Dazed and confused. Dazed and confused. Um, so, yeah. So, that's all those stuff, those details there. Back at um, the uh, reception. Yeah, let's talk about the critical reception. So, let's, I want to go through, I'll let you read some of the, we'll kind of like tag team the actual like text here, but I want to read through the actual professional rating scores. So, it, it's a little bit of a mixed bag here. Um, so, Metacritic has it sitting at a 62 out of 100. Um, yeah um and any decent music question mark as i which i've never heard of in my life um has there's not any decent music that's why apparently not at a 5.3 out of 10 okay all music gave it a three and a half ap gave it a four american songwriter gave it a three out of well i guess i should say three and a half out of five four out of five for ap um american songwriter gave it a three out of five Entertainment Weekly gave it a B minus. Evening Standard gave it a four out of five. The Guardian gave it a two out of five. I'm sure, we'll see that in there somewhere. Um, Pop Matters gave it a seven out of ten. Rolling Stone gave it a three out of five. Spin gave it a six out of ten, and USA Today gave it a three out of four. Evening Standard sounds like a really adult magazine. It does. They're like can't can't fuck to this, but you can a little bit. Four out of five. <laughs> they also gave it the highest rating in that uh, in that lineup. So. Well, well, uh, alongside the alternative press, yeah, the alternative press of the evening standard. Um, uh, so critical reception. Are you going to have a critical reception at your wedding? Are you just going to have like somebody walk around with your phone? Um, no, no, they're just they're filming the they're filming the ceremony, but that's all they fucking get. They can't come to the dinner. They can't come to lunch. Take that tripod with you. We got to be there. Um, so Metacritic has it sitting at, like we said, 62 out of 100, which indicates, according to Metacritic, generally favorable reviews based on 15 reviews. Um, Jared okay. Weisselman, yeah, Jared Weisselman of the New York Post called the record one of 2011's best and most captivating albums, calling Sarah Smiles the standout and noting the wise change in tone to high energy with the second track, Let's Kill Tonight. Um, Alternative Press also welcomed the new version of Panic at the Disco. Perhaps Smith and Yuri's biggest successes on Vice's changes is their disinterest in simply recreating either of their previous albums, instead choosing to meld the youthful exuberance of their debut with the restraint and maturity of 2008's Pretty Odd, wrote critic Evan Lucy. Um, the duo sound absolutely recharged, likely a result of the lineup shuffling, but also perhaps a realization that the 70s were a nice place to visit for a couple of years, but life in the 21st century is much more fun. Okay, he went damn. on to create... Yes. That's a, that's a sterling takedown of the 70s, man. He went on to praise the Elfman-esque string arrangements, creepy undertones, and twinkling pianos on several tracks and enjoyed the scaled-back, more personal tracks such as The Calendar and Memories. I don't know if I like the Elfman-esque part of that. I don't know. I see it. I, I don't. I can see a part Danny, of it. Danny Elfman's a weirdo, but he makes good music. Yeah, he does. he does. So I, 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 feel, I see that as praise, I think. Which I get it. I see it in like Let's Kill Tonight and like Nearly Witches and stuff like that. I can see it. Obviously, they really like fucking Elfman music since they went and were part of the fucking Halloween. Uh, yeah, for real. The, yeah, Nightmare Before Christmas fucking Redux. Yeah. Want to read our boy? Redu. Want to read our boy James? James Montgomery. I'm glad he's here. Glad he can <laughs> participate with us. Uh, of MTV News proper, we know our friend. 
Vice is, at its very core, a studio album, one stuffed with ideas and instrumentation, which not only positions panic, as perhaps this generation's Brian Wilson's, not Brent Wilson's, on a budget, nope. but nope, but serves as a solid starting point for wherever Yuri and Smith choose to go, well, not far from here. Mm, yeah. They complemented the new sound of the band. It's not exactly new, not exactly old, but it's definitely something. He's not talking about like them fucking listening to their parents' music. Call it a fresh start, a return to form, a reimagining of the past, a remaster, if you will. Just don't call it pretty odd, because that ship has sailed. Panic! Are back to their old tricks, exclamation point and all. And perhaps that was the secret ingredient all along. <laughs> panic isn't just panic, it's the friends we made along the way. <laughs> um... <laughs> I clicked away from the page for a second and I thought that was actually in there. That, no, that, was, that was you editorializing there at the end. Okay. Um, negative criticism for the album mostly came regarding the inexperienced lyricism of Yuri. Yeah, I guess this is the first one he's like fully written by himself. Yeah. William, well, not by himself. William Goodman of Spin criticized Yuri's lyrics of the album. The, re the result is verbose and generic diary entry romance, but praise the musical experimentation, remarking vices and virtues saving grace, though, is the varied instrumentation. Marimbas, xylophones, accordion, synths, and digital atmospherics. Jody Rosen of the Rolling Stone concurred with Goodman and also focused positive opinion upon focused positive opinion on the arrangements of the album, recommending Nearly Witches and calling the album emo retro pop, commenting it's the closest emo has come to the sound of old school pop and rock with Beach Boys harmonies and even gypsy style swing flavoring the usual hopped up confessions. Mikael Wood of Entertainment Weekly agreed with these sentiments, recommending The Ballad of Mona Lisa and the harmony drenched Sarah smiles. Emo retro pop is now the name of my autobiography. Mm-hmm. Um... We can talk about this tour that I was I I went to. There you go. I fucking, yeah. I fucking loved this tour. So, well, they they announced multiple tours. They dubbed, they said this was the intimate evening with Panic at the Disco, um, running from January twenty third to April fourth, twenty eleven. Um, they also did a European tour that May, um, and then um, came back to North America for another tour from May to June thirtieth, twenty eleven. The so that was the first, the first and only time I saw Fun. Um, so I saw, I, yeah, I saw Fun open for them. Foxy Shazam is great. Also, I, uh, I, I, I didn't see the funeral party uh, leg of it. I saw um, Foxy Shazam and Fun. Um, which, if you have not, so if you, I guarantee you, if you don't know who Foxy Shazam is, do you remember that song Downtown that Macklemore released? Yeah, the guy who sang the high pitch, the 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 hook on that. Is is Foxy Shazam? He's actually nice. from Ohio. He's um, he's very cool, um, and Foxy Shazam is great music. So you should listen to Foxy Shazam. But yeah, so I got to see Panic, Fun, and Foxy Shazam on that tour. It was very very fucking rad. Um, it's not yeah. like the trade off that we have, where you get to fucking say you get to see Bring Me the Horizon with Fallout Boy. Yeah, <laughs> who's who's on that leg with for you? Who's who's opening for them with for you? Bro, I'm just asking because I remember it being a cool band. It, oh, Not as cool as Bring Me the Horizon, but it's... Alkaline Trio, Black Brides. Black Veil, Black Veil Brides. Alkaline Black. Trio is cool. It is Alkaline Trio. I... It's what? It is Alkaline Trio. It, it is cool. They're cool. Oil and the Serpent. Mm -hmm. 
But yeah, no, I'm very excited about Bring Me the Horizon. Yeah, that'd be a fucking hell of a lot cooler. I'd go for that. Um, so that's Pop kind of, of kind of, of dick. Yuck. Um, I do want to read this, read a little bit of this article by our friend James Montgomery on MTVNews.com. Spencer's because we didn't talk about this, and well, we I, we briefly mentioned it at the beginning when I was doing my weird fever dream opener, but um, Panic at the Disco brought the exclamation mark back. Right. So it's Panic at the Disco again, and it would re- and it will remain Panic at the Disco until Brendan disbands himself. Um, yeah, you are the weakest link. Right. <laughs> Um, so in retrospect, it seems like a pretty dumb thing to focus on, especially since pretty odd was pretty great. But when panic became plain old panic became plain old panic, it turned into one gigantic year long headache for the guys in the band. Uh, it's amazing because we never necessarily got asked about it that much when it was in there. Drummer Spencer Smith told MTV news. And then all of a sudden we decided to take it away for pretty odd. And we were asked about it in, I think every interview for a couple of months. So after having to answer pointed punctuation-related questions for the better part of a year, why on earth did Smith and frontman Brendan Urie decide to bring the exclamation point back? Well, as it turns out, for old time's sake. For me and Brendan, there were aspects of our first album that did sort of go away on Pretty Odd that we'd like to bring back to our band. There's some theatricality and some different styles of music, and we want to make a record that is drawing from both our previous albums, Smith said. And it just seemed like it would be a fun thing for our fans. Hopefully there's less of a big deal made about it coming back than there was about it going away. It seems like a new chapter, so having that as part of the band seemed like something we could bring back to reinforce that Panic at the Disco is not breaking up. It is still going. That's fun to read. Now. Yeah. Um, uh, we yeah. should have done it while we were still like actually on the tour with it. Do you want to hit that set list? Because it's a pretty fucking solid set list. Um, yeah. You want to read it? Go ahead. Yeah, it's representative of what was on my birthday when I turned 21. Oh. So, uh, number one, hang on one second. I got a fucking cat in the door. Crypt Keeper's coming. Crypt Keeper. Okay. God, what well, a great, what a great song to encore with, by the way. Holy shit. Yeah, pretty fucking good. All right, number one. Do, you, do we round robin it? Uh, Yeah, let's go. All right, number one. Ready to go, get me out of my mind. Ready to go, get me hoi manoi. <laughs> <laughs> get me out of my uh, mind. <laughs> uh, number two, but it's better if you do. Number three, the ballad of Mona Lisa. Number four, lying is the most fun a girl can have without taking her clothes off. Number five, trade mistakes. Numero six, camisado. Seven, tornado. Oh. Hurricane. Twister. <laughs> uh, <laughs> number eight the only difference between martyrdom and suicide is press coverage number nine let's kill tonight number 10 is always number 11 is night of the afternoon 12 is that green gentleman things have changed number 13 the calendar <laughs> the mandark number 14 new perspective number 15 memories number 16 time to dance number 17 i write since not tragedies number 18 Carry on Wayward Son. It so fucking, fucking weird. It fucking ruled, though. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, I'm and sure you'll find it. I'm sure it's the on YouTube. Encore, number 19. Nearly Witches, Ever Since We Met. Nearly. Nearly. And so I saw them the. Witches. Um, Witches. I saw them the June 9th, 2011 show in Columbus at the LC Pavilion. So that's when I saw them. Oh, I've got one of them doing it in Vegas. Ooh. 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 
see. <laughs> oh, right on. Um, yeah, so that's Vice and Virtues. This actually is, this might be our shortest overview episode that we've done so far. No, it is. I know that for a fact. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty is, short. Um, is there something we're missing that we didn't talk about that we usually talk about? No, but I do have a thing that I wanted to talk about real quick that I mentioned last time, too. Yes, yeah. But before, let me, let me put in the interstitial here. So this song, and Carrie's going to yell at me, this song has three, or this song, this album has three songs from my wedding. Yeah. So number seven always was the aisle. Uh, uh-huh. Walking down the aisle. And then we did have Let's Kill Tonight somewhere in there is like a fucking dance. Mm-hmm. And then I'm uh, Ready to Go was the last song that we had played. Like that was the last song of the night. Oh. Yeah. So it was, like I said, a lot of fucking panic. But, okay, so what I alluded to last time was that this album. And maybe it has to do with Brendan Yuri alone. That's way too much credit, but it <laughs> it's a different relationship from what Pretty Odd was, and it's a different relationship even from what A Fever You Sweat Out was, like a personal relationship, right? So, like an emotional one-on-one relationship. To me, Brian Ross doesn't know how to carry a relationship, and a lot of Pretty Odd really said that. A lot of those lyrics, if we can attribute it to him, were not... The love songs weren't love songs, right? Mm-hmm. But here, you kind of get a feeling all throughout that there is a romance building. There's a romance budding. Obviously, Sarah mm-hmm. Smiles is like the, mm-hmm. the exact focal point of that. That and always, of course. But knowing what Sarah Smiles means to Brendan Urie specifically, this is a different relationship. This isn't a relationship built on angst. This isn't a relationship built on ego. This isn't a relationship built on, I don't know, negative feelings. You know, like, this is a more loving album in its own way. You know, I can see that. I definitely see that. It's a, it's a big evolution from where they were before. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't see us going through this in, in moments and being like, wow. This song means something different. Yeah. This well, was so not my original impression. Yeah. yeah. Well, so it's interesting, right? Because like, if you think about the difference, what was the difference between the first two albums and this one is that the primary writer for the first two was Ryan. Right. Meanwhile, yeah. Brendan is getting his. So I feel like Brendan maybe has a more optimistic look at love or stuff like that. Well, and of course, so that, new relationship, things like that. I mean, mm-hmm. Obviously, Ryan Ross had his relationship with the dancer, who's uh, Colleen fucking... Kelty Colleen. Kelty Colleen. You know, but that probably didn't end well, and it seemed like he maybe had some apprehensions and uh, resentments towards that relationship mm-hmm. at some point. I mean, almost, parts are pretty odd, seems like he found romance and lost it in the same album. Yeah. And yeah, wrote about sure. it. Well, this one does not have that. And none of them do going forward. Even. Yeah. None of them sure. feel... Nothing feels as angry or emotionally yeah. or emotionally uh, reserved as what came before. Yeah, it's very much like there's no, there doesn't seem to be any regression, if that makes sense. Right. Because, like, I, because I will say, here's what I will give Brendan. Because I know we talked a lot of shit about him and a lot of shit about like you know his direction and stuff like that. I will say 
that at, like after this album and like moving forward, like he definitely figured out who he was as a person. Yeah, as a person, as an artist, for sure, or, and an artist around this time. And I think that for I think that's a that was that was technically I would say a benefit for him because it let him be more confident in who he was and what he was writing and stuff like that, for better or worse, for, uh, from a fan perspective. But it's right. it, it it is what happened. So should have maybe changed the band title eventually, but eventually. But who could one? I think he probably should have just gone for the solo thing once Spencer left. But yeah, but. Who can say what time does? Here's something we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about the writers. So let's do that really quick. Oh, yeah. So we've got the Ballad of Mona Lisa has the most writers on this on this album. Wait, we got a cat on the microphone. Oops. She's literally rushing her, like rushing her ass against it. Oh. Okay. We're good. Okay. Heard a little <laughs> brush brush there. That was the cat. A little brush brush brush. Um, so Ballad of Mona Lisa, uh, according to this, was written by Brendan Spencer, um, Butch Walker, and, Butch John, Walker. and John F- Butch Walker and John Feldman, um, produced by Walker and Feldman. Um, and that's the other thing too. All of these songs, um, Yuri Smith. Uh, ex- aside from the, the bonus tracks, are not like this, but the main ten songs are all written by Brendan and Spencer. So I will just say those ones, and then the ones that I add, just I'll just add the additionals. So all written by Brennan and Spencer, credited as here. Um, Let's Kill Tonight was produced by Butch Walker. Um, Feldman jumped on to Hurricane and was produced by Walker and Feldman. Feldman also jumped on to Memories and was produced by Just Walker. Um, Feldman and Pete Wentz were added to uh, as writers for Trade Mistakes, produced by Walker and Feldman. Um, uh, Pete came back Pete felt Pete and Feldman came back for always in the calendar. Both of those are produced by Walker and Feldman. Um, Feldman jumped onto Sarah smiles are produced by Walker and Feldman. Feldman was also on nearly witches and Ryan Ross is also credited on nearly witches because of what he did for it. Um, and then that was produced by Walker Feldman and Brendan was credited as a producer on that. Um, meanwhile, the, um, the bonus tracks, Kaleidoscope Eyes was written by Brendan and Pete. Um, Stall Me was written by Brendan Feldman and Pete. So was Oh Glory. Um, I Want to Be Free and Turn Off the Lights do not have writing credits. Uh, yeah, that's here, interesting. So that's very interesting. Um, but Bittersweet was written by Brendan, Pete, and uh, Greg Kirsten, who is another record producer. So, so just, just for a fun little dive. Uh, okay. John Feldman. Mm-hmm. Let's do some production real quick, and I'm just gonna pick it, pick and choose some bands here. Uh, Real Big Fish, oh, Good Charlotte, the okay. Used, Story of the okay. Year. She had an earthquake on her mind. Ashley Apparently, Simpson. the time will <laughs> bury us alive. Sorry, uh, Hillary Duff. Duff. Say that's gay. Do you know what you say? Knock it off. The Veronicas. Uh, Feel so untouched right now. <laughs> Fucking Atreyu. We came oh, as Romans. Wow. Papa Roach in a late, obviously, Papa Roach's fucking heel turn on this one. Uh, Blackfell oh. Brides. Five Seconds of Summer. Oh, wow. Time Low. Okay. 
182 for California. Like, yeah, the late, the farther this list goes, the later I get. So you can definitely pick up where some bands might be today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, 311, <laughs> Godsmack, Corn. 311. Fucking 311. And Avril Lavigne for her most recent hit from last year. Looks like she had a couple of songs here. And then Butch Walker, it seems like, had his own career. Uh-huh. As people tend to do. Yeah. Uh, dare I say, shh. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sure, I guess. As a producer. Uh, these are some random ones. Marvelous 3, SR-71, Bowling for Soup. Oh. Uh, the Scorpion King soundtrack. The Hot Chicks soundtrack. Soundtrack. Agent Cody Banks soundtrack. He's a soundtrack guy. Oh, man. Seven Apparently best. he's got he's got original albums, too. Yeah. Yeah, that was his career. People have this. Happy, happy feet. Shut those. Don't, don't you fucking. Don't you fucking <laughs> dare. How fucking dare. Dare you? How very fucking dare you? Get the uh, he did, fuck out of here. He did a Fallout Boys and Piece of shit. Hi. Piece of shit. Just a real dick bag over here. Piece of fuck you. Piece of shit. <laughs> Katy Perry. Oh. All time low. Weezer train. Some, of course. Some Lindsay Lohan on here. Yeah. Hey Monday, we're throwing it back to like that. First oh my album. god! He did a Family Force Five album. Holy shit. He is definitely a soundtrack guy. Oh man. The uh, the fucking Hi Hi Puffy Amiyumi. He did a Puffy Amiyumi album. Nice. Uh, did any of those American. words did any of those words make Puffy sense? Puffy Amiyumi, no. There's a there's like a show called Hi Hi Puffy Amiyumi, which was on TV a long time ago. Whatever. It's not important. Yeah. Oh sure. he yeah, he did he did a save a lot Rock of Fallout Boy. A lot of Fallout Boy. Did save rock and roll. We talked about Infinity you talked about Infinity on High already. Save Rock and Roll, I think, is an underrated album. Mania did Mania as well. Yeah, well, they did American. He did American Beauty, American Psycho too. Was that one? No. Yeah. Did he do? Did he do? He did not do. So much for Stardust. Yeah, we saw. We saw the album cover against him, and he's producer. Here you go. Here's a throw forward. Here's a forward. a flash forward. If if this were lost after okay. the writers' strike. Uh, Suicide Squad, the album, Bohemian, Rhapsody, Panic of the Disco. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, great note to end on Butch Walker. Actually, taking a a second to talk about Butch Walker actually made this the second longest overview episode. I'm so glad that we could touch on this guy's career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is now longer than... uh, it is now longer than the original Fever You Can't Sweat Out over the episode, thanks to hey. that little tangent about Butch Walker. But yeah, this is it. We're here. We're in season three. Life is good. We're going to talk about the songs now. Um, and <laughs> Not right and now. Not right now, but like we're going to get ready, ready to go. <laughs> That's two weeks from now. Next week, we're talking about. Yeah, okay. Next week, we're talking about the. Oh, it's only cool when I do it. God damn it. Get the fuck out of here. I'm so mad at you. Um, the, we're, next week, we're going to talk about the Ballad of Mona Lisa, and we're going to get trucking. So with that all being said, we'll do the thing that we don't usually do. We'll talk about our, our, our stuff. So we've got the show notes. 
the show notes have links to things that you might want to know. So go check those out. If we mention something and I say I'll put a link, that's where it is. It's in your podcatcher description somewhere. There's links. It's great. Um, also down there is our social media. You can follow Adam on Twitter. You can follow me at my link tree that has links to buy my books and shit. So go look at that stuff. Um, oh, yeah. I guess I haven't talked about it yet. My second book is coming out um, in yes. a couple of months. It's coming out in July. Um, so go pre-order that. Uh, if you'd like, it's a, you can find the link to that in my link tree in the show description. So go pre-order that. It's the sequel to my first book, Unyielding, and I really like it. So you should go pre-order it and read both of them. Um, read the book. Uh, we also had some interactions for our last released el- uh, episode from a mountain, uh, cabin in the middle. From a cabin yes. in the mountain in the middle of. You just take some time, little girl. You're in the middle. Of the ride. why is it so hot um so we've got who was dumber this episode 100 percent of votes three total adam i was one of those let's i will out myself on this episode say i was one of those you really um we also added the question what did you think of this episode um and so we've got a couple in there adam you don't (laughs) oh that's right you responded to Aaron Hlewell. Um Aaron says, you promise that we could record voice memos, and yet this is proven false. So I have to continue nagging Adam through the medium of the written word. Disappointed, but not surprised. Do better album. I like, I like Aaron. She's fun. <laughs> They're fun. I don't want to assume. I'm sorry if you're, but that's fun. I like that a lot. So to um, get ahead of this, this time, <laughs> go to Mad as Rabbits. See if I can leave a comment. <laughs> oh my god! Interesting I'm ignoring, enough, you can. Only I'm ignoring do that. Adam's very. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, yeah, you can only do that on the app. You can't answer questions on the desktop Spotify. Yeah, that's so weird. It is odd. It's pretty fucking odd. It's a pretty fucking odd. So go on the app if you want to leave a voice memo. We'll try and get it incorporated into the episodes. Um, I'm going to ignore Adam's very, um, um, uh, stoic, informative, professional response. He was not that professional when discussing it. Let me tell you that much, Aaron. Um, Carrie, Adam's wife, Adam over here, his wife, Adam over here, pretending like we listened to his own relationship advice. Also, I'm fighting both of you for getting about this song. It is top tier. My number fucking two. Love you. Bye. Love you, bye. So, so mountain in the middle of the cabins is Carrie Hilton's uh, number two. two song. I'm pretty odd. Um, which is exciting because so the so hopefully we'll be able to talk about this soon because um, we the episode hasn't been released in our timeline yet, but it will have been released for your timeline yet. One of the questions we asked um, in the ranking episode that's coming out is, what is your ranking? And we want to hear your ranking. So hopefully in a future episode, we will read some rankings. That'll be cool. Yeah, even um, you, Aaron Hlewell. Even you, Aaron Hlewell. We welcome you to leave your rankings so we can read through them for Pretty Odd. We would love to discuss them. Uh, but until that time, until we catch, until... Real life catches up to past life and fake life becomes reality and life is a prison. Um, uh, I guess. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye.